Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Stephanie and Katie. Follow me into the dark unknown. Make way as my seams come undone. Help me fall softly as my wings catch the breeze. Help me brave the tumultuous seas. Treat me as a queen in the making, not a dainty damsel distressing. Be here with me. Don't prevent my undoing. Hold my hand. Witness my becoming. I call that poem To My Loving Partner. I wrote it through the perspective of someone giving birth or at least preparing for that Mm -hmm. and thinking about the role that she wants her partner to fulfill for her in that birth space. And I, I would say what really prompted this poem for me, um, very distinctly was after a doula interview. And at that time I was working in a doula partnership. So there was actually me and my doula friend, Lindsay, um, again, partner at the time, It was really awesome to interview with this couple and then after the couple left to be able to like immediately process it with another birth professional. Oh, yeah. And so we were just trying to make sense of the different dynamics that had been exposed um, in that short 30-minute consultation. And both of us had felt it and had heard like similar, uh, I don't know, key phrases that kind of made us want to have this conversation afterward. And it was just little things. And I'm sure any doulas out there, even midwives, anyone um, working in the in the birth field can relate to. But you get a couple in there and immediately some of the dynamics in their relationships start to come out as you're learning about their, their context. And this particular couple, um, the they were married. So the wife said something along the lines of, I have always wanted to have a home birth. Like it's like one of my dreams and I have read about it and studied it and like learned so much about it and would totally do it. But my husband does not feel that it's safe and I really want to honor him. And so we're having a birth at the hospital. (laughs) So when that's the introduction, Oh, a lot of different feelings course through my body. Mm, Have you ever ever been there before? Definitely (laughs) been there. I've been there. Also, a little disclaimer, I'm coming off of a cold, so I sound a little bit nasally and I might be coughing throughout. It's so sexy phlegm. I'm into it. Is it sexy phlegm? I hope so. No, you read the poem and I was like, oh. (laughs) It makes me sound a little (laughs) deep and intense, right? Yes, no, I like it. (laughs) Thank you. Because we are talking about partnerships, so I think having that sexy undertone could be helpful. (laughs) For sure. Um, yeah, and and then there were just a few other things where then the husband would speak up and said things that in my mind felt overtly patronizing and like overly exerting his power, you might say, in mm-hmm. in being the decision maker of the couple. And so I thought it would be really worthwhile for us to have a conversation about these u- unique dynamics from a couple of different angles. Um, So one is just like, what is the role that couples play Mm -hmm. in in birth? Yes. But then I want to go a step further and say, what is the transformation that each one of these um, players can expect to have? 
So let's start with that first one and talk about roles in and the dynamics in partnerships. Yeah, I'd say that's one of the interesting parts of being a doula. It's like really fun to sit down with people and their diversity and just have just just observe. Like I think even just learning from how people function, because you get to sit in kind of a vulnerable place. And I'm the kind of person too that I do ask very revealing and vulnerable questions. Like one of the things I ask in every single prenatal is, is um, how do you typically react to stress? Like what are kind of your signs? Yeah. And I usually we'll have the partners kind of say what the other one has or how they usually react. Oh, I like that. They and can like read each other. They kind of, yeah. And they usually kind of smile and like, I want to hear what you're going to say. Like, <laughs> and they'll look at each other and to hear like just kind of all the answers that come. And some people are like, oh, this is very familiar. Mm-hmm. And they kind of are comfortable talking about together. And there's some couples where you can tell it's like, what are you going to say? And other right. couples like, well, and you can tell they're kind of hesitant to be honest. And it's like, you have not gone here together really where you have open communication about um, your emotional experience. Like these deeper layers of life. Like, yeah. And, yeah. That, and you, it's fun to kind of be that person. And that's me as I'm, um, I like to challenge things and I like to get in the dirty, right? To kind of challenge them to say, like, no, there is no right or wrong answer here. Everybody reacts. It's not pretty most of the time. Like, mm-hmm. And I always will give them the example of, like, my stress phases. Like, phase one for Katie is that Katie gets snappy. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually only do it in space, safe spaces. So it's mostly mm. with my partner. Um, phase two is shut down. Like, I don't want to talk anymore. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Or I'll recede into, like, privacy. I want yeah. to just go process by myself with nobody and no distractions. And if I'm forced into phase three, it's crying. And my husband knows if I'm crying, then we've like, like 911. Like we've hit the new We have hit the threshold. end of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like, sometimes me opening up and saying like, look, this is my humanity. Like this is yeah. my like reactions. I'm working I, on I them. I can be vulnerable in front of you as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we can talk about real things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like all of that plays together. And I love this topic because you bring that with you into the birth room. You're not going to suddenly be a different couple or have a different relationship. Expecting things of your partner and for him to support you in ways that he doesn't in your day-to-day life is pretty unrealistic. Like, and I think some people do have that idea in their minds that like they'll watch a birth video and see how loving the partner is, or they'll have kind of these ideas of what that's going to look like without expressing them to their partner right. because either they just think, which is unfair on the other side, right? That he, he doesn't know what this expectation is. So he doesn't know how to fill it. So I think that's a really cool, like this is a really fun thing to talk about. I'm excited you bring this up. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought that you'd be excited because we've talked about this many times together mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm actually hoping to draw upon some of your anecdotes that you've shared with me. Okay. In fact, let's just go there. Okay. Um, at one point, I was kind of lamenting to you how often I see this dynamic where the partner and yeah, a lot of times this is, we're talking about the male gender because I think there's something specific about how men have been conditioned in our society. So a lot of times it's these male partners that want to save their partner from the experience of, of birth. Right. Mm. And here's the thing. I validate that in them because this is what we've told them we wanted. Yeah. (laughs) This is the classic white knight on a steed in, or the white knight in shining armor who gets to show up and slay the dragon and save the damsel in distress. Mm. Right. The protector. The protector. And, and so I have to say it's understandable that this is what we're seeing a lot of 
Um, well, it's either that or the complete opposite, which is completely disconnected from the whole experience. And they mm. just say, you're on your own. I don't even think I can be there to witness. I don't like how messy birth is. And I don't mean to downplay that because that is a real dynamic as well. But is that pretty accurate that you see those kind of two extremes? Yes, I would say I've seen those extremes. Yeah. And of course, we've seen a lot in the middle too. But I mm-hmm. guess we're just kind of speaking to that for a minute. Yeah. Another coin would be kind of the, the let her do what she wants, but critical. Like you, you mm. tell by the things he says, like, ah, she wants to go unmedicated and like, that's her deal. And if she wants to try, that's fine with me. Like, cool. So she doesn't actually feel supported at the end of the day. Yes. She feels like, oh, great. All of the outcomes are now on my shoulders. And yeah. if something does go awry, I'm going to hear, I'm going to hear about this the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm going to hear, <laughs> I told you that it wasn't a good idea. So that doesn't feel very good either. No. Right. So again, I want to just say, I don't actually see this as your fault to those men that are listening to this, but that you're listening to this is an opportunity for us to teach you a different way to do, to, to support your partner. And, and really that, that's what prompted this whole poem again, as I uh, chatted with Lindsay about it, I said, Lindsay, how can a partner support the one giving birth in a way that's actually supportive? And so she sat there and, and thought about it. And she's the one that said, well, one thing I, I know for sure is they should not treat them like a damsel in distress. And then from that, I was like, I'm writing a poem about that. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Lindsay, for prompting that idea in me. With all of that, Katie, then I remember talking to you about this dynamic and you shared with me a process that you have taken your clients through before that I really liked. And Mm -hmm. it has to do with buying a car. Oh, yeah. Would you share that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I love this comparison because this is the one I use to get my husband to not get my husband. This is the one I use to explain to my husband and have him kind of have a light bulb moment Mm. um, how I felt about the way that our decision making was going. Um, so I told him, imagine that we decide as a family, if we want to buy a car and you go online and do a ton of research, you read reviews, you get more knowledgeable about all the different makes and models. Um, you read reviews on where to buy the car and you go and you try out a bunch of cars, you test drive them. Um, you ask your friends, you get really into it, right? Like you do all this research cause you want to find us the right fit for our family, So you do all this research, you test drive a couple cars, and after a lot of work, you land on this car, and you're so excited about this decision that you've made, this thing that you found, Um, and you come to me and you say, hey, I've decided on this car, and I say, no, like, I heard a story once about that car, I don't, and I don't like it, no. In fact, my neighbor bought that car, and he said it was, like, the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I heard, like, one had an engine blew up. I read that somewhere. I really did. Mm -hmm. And um, just, like, completely blow off everything that you've just done without even giving you a chance to explain to me why or allowing myself to get any sort of education or any sort of idea. I just base my complete refusal of your choice on two hearsay things that I've heard or something I have in my mind that I can't really explain. Um, I told him that's how I feel when you tell me that I can't birth the way I want to birth because I have done all of this research and I have done all of this work and I've come to this really good place where I feel like I know what the right decision is and you're coming at me with kind of this fear-based side without having done any research. So at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, I told him, 
you have two choices. And this is coming from, I'm a very self-confident woman. So this is something I say, and I know it's a hard thing to say to your partner, but we're both very (laughs) confrontational and I married a German. So he's like, he can take pushback. (laughs) So I said, either you need to get educated and watch the um, business of being born with me and this other couple of things. Like I gave him like four things I wanted him to do. Um, And then we can decide together at the end of that informational like process we do together mm-hmm. or you can know that I am doing what I feel is right for our family you can trust me mm-hmm. to make the right decision for our Ooh. family and our body and my body kind of gave me chills Katie mm-hmm. um how did, how did that go over oh my husband's a German he was like you know what you're so right like let's yeah. do it yeah so he went with the trust option and mm-hmm. he's like yeah I actually don't have the time and energy to put into yes, all of the did. same research that you did and that's I knew that would work with him because he's yeah. very like if he did get into it he knows himself too that he's very all out like yeah. once he decides he's interested in a topic he's so thorough yeah. so th- that's why the metaphor worked so well for him right because he is that person that would spend two weeks of time and energy on a car yeah and I know how frustrated he would be at the end of it so to have kind of him in my shoes was very helpful and I think he was already sort of like he wasn't very firmly against it he was kind of like why aren't we just going to a hospital and it was partially financial for him too because he was like well we have insurance and like the hospital is a little more covered isn't it um which at the end of the day I was like actually it's not it costs about the same yeah um but for us that was a really great way for me to stand up for myself but to also do it in a way that just showed him how it felt because I think a lot of times men don't even know they're doing that Like they don't even really understand. It's like, well, no, I'm I'm trying to protect us. And now you're trying to bring in this thing that I I don't know about and that I've heard negative things about. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them were raised in this way. That's just like, you go to the hospital. That's what you do. Yeah. And why are you trying to be a weird hippie? Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, And I think it's also hard when you feel like your partner's kind of veering off. Like, I thought we had an understanding that this was how we viewed the world. And now you're bringing in this other worldview or this very alternative approach. And a lot of people have a hard time pivoting, right? Or or wrapping their minds around that new idea. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, the analogy does break down because even more important than the time that you spent doing the research was, is the fact that you were the one carrying the baby and would be delivering that child, right? Yes, exactly. Like this gets down to like bodily autonomy and the rights that you have simply because you're the one that will have to do this hard work. Yes. And the partner can be there to support, but cannot carry this for you Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And she, the one, you, uh, who's delivering needed to be the one choosing her ultimate comfort zone. Yes. Does that resonate? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you also have to bring in the other factor that a lot of women do that out of also comfort or wanting to make him comfortable they they give that to him their comfort is their partner's comfort yes oh we call that codependency right <laughs> and the, but at the end of the day you do it to to not like mess with the, to not um like stir the pot right you do yeah, like, totally. I, don't, I don't want to deal with the conflict you don't want to I don't be want the to trouble baker you want everyone to be happy you want a peacemaker mm-hmm. caretaker all yeah. those but this labels. is like the recipe for long-term resentment because if anything goes according, like during that birth goes in a way that you knew the hospital is conducive to, or the things that you were worried about that were leading you away from the hospital in the first place, what are you going to think? Like, even if you may not acknowledge it fully yourself, you know, 
there are two people to blame, of course, me and him, him for not listening to me mm-hmm. and not taking me seriously and not exploring with me or saying, hey, why? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to have a home birth? Help yeah. me understand. Yeah, exactly. But also you for not showing him, for just caving. Yes. So you'll have this two-pronged blame for him, but resentment towards yourself, which most women will focus more on their own resentment, right? Right. Um, but that's just like one of those classic situations where I'm in order to be more comfortable now and not have a hard conversation now, um, I'll risk these long-term emotional rifts that we could be building between us. And you could see it's an opportunity to kind of show him like we're moving into parenthood, especially for first time parents. Mm-hmm. We're moving into parenthood together. And is this how we're going to parent where you have an idea of how it is and that steamrolls my idea. Yeah. If my idea doesn't conform to your idea. Yeah. Um, and to show like, no, I am a mother with an intuition and I am going to be making decisions for the baby that I feel are best because I'm the one. I tell my husband all the time, I am more knowledgeable than you in parenting because I have researched things and I have done all of this other work. We have thousands of years of societal conditioning that women are the primary caretakers mm-hmm. of, of babies, you know, so it's not to say that men c- cannot learn it. It's mm-hmm. just that this is the kind of the reality of where our society is at. Yeah. No, I feel like even from a young age, I had, I picked up on mothering, yeah, right? absolutely. And I feel like men don't, they, they hear what they hear and they absorb kind of the messages they get from their parents, mm-hmm. but they have no like observatory absorption mm-hmm. of how other people are parenting mm-hmm. or how siblings are treated. Like it just doesn't happen the same. Yeah. Because I feel like you always have it. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be a mom someday. And that means I need to sort of know how to do this. And, oh, you want a doll? Parents your siblings. You're the babysitter. Like, why don't you go babysit? And the boy totally. goes and works at the gas station or does another job when they're a teen, right? Yeah. But the girl can go babysit. And just kind of all these, like you said, societal pushes, mm-hmm. which is to say, like, it's not anybody's fault. We don't want to make it seem like, oh, men are horrible or anything. <laughs> not at all. Um, just to kind of have like an honest observation of this thing that we as birth workers like that, it hurts my heart when I, I see a woman has this light, she has this idea and you can tell that there is something behind it for her. It matters Because to we her. see this as an awakening. Like when, when somebody starts to question the status quo and the norm and the way that things have been done in their family or in their culture, we see that as like, yes, that's, that's the pivotal shift mm-hmm. that birth can give you. Yes. And, and as doulas, we want to like nurture that little spark. And when we see a partner dousing the spark, we're just like, no, yeah, it's painful. It's too painful. <sighs> and, and again, back to the poem, like this is the part wherein it was follow me into the dark unknown. That's intentional. I didn't want it to be lead the way, yes. <laughs> but it's like, Hey, I'm going into the dark unknown. And I want you there, mm-hmm. but this has to be led by me. Yes. But will you follow me? Mm-hmm. Like knowing that you've got my back will make all the difference. Make way as my seams come undone. It's like, I know, like we talked about in a previous episode, that I'm going to experience a form of death at the end of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to prevent it. But yeah. I do want you to make way for that. Can you hold mm-hmm. space as my seams come undone? Ooh, now I'm be chills. there, like be there to hold the mess that I'm going to turn into, but please don't try to prevent it. That's like going to the caterpillar and saying, don't get in the cocoon. You don't even need to go there, babe. I found a shortcut. I am, I, I got this little strap. 
We're going to like put it on you and then you can fly and catch up with all those butterflies over there. And it's like, they're trying to make their partners skip mm-hmm. the most transformational aspect of what it even means to be a caterpillar. Right? Or even more painful to run out to the cocoon and rip it open and oh, pull you gosh. out because heaven, you're yes. becoming a mush. And I want to save you. This is what I've been conditioned to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You totally, you you get me. (laughs) Um, So you could go through this line by line, like help me fall softly. It's not prevent me from falling, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I'm going to fall. And I actually know that I need to in order to grow. But gosh, having you there would sure make it a little bit softer. Yeah. Help me brave the tumultuous seas. You can't calm the storm. You can't like circumnavigate it. We're going into the eye of the storm. Will you help me navigate it? Will you be there with me? Treat me as a queen in the making, not a dainty damsel distressing. That's a huge, a huge difference right there. A a damsel in in distress is looking for a hero. It's looking for somebody to come and save her. A queen in the making, what does that make you feel? What does that conjure? A queen in the making is like someone who knows she has this potential and she's trying to do what she needs to do to get to, to achieve it. Right. Like it's like, I'm doing the things that I need to do to become this queen, to, to learn the things I need to learn to reign. I like that. Yep. I like that. And these last few lines, be here with me. Don't prevent my undoing. Hold my hand, witness my becoming. This, again, harkens back to things we've talked about previously, that it's the undoing aspect of birth that is help, what like gives us the momentum to actually become the better version of ourselves. And so for a partner to step in in that capacity is, is pretty profound. And this is where I would kind of pivot the whole conversation into the space of like, what is the transformational potential for each partner? Mm. Um, We talk a lot about the birther's role, the one giving birth and and what they might expect to be part of their transformation. Mm -hmm. I want to take a minute and just talk about the partner because guess what? You get to experience your own transformation too. And maybe that's under talked about. Um, life has taught you partners to show your strength and support through muscle and through brawn, um, to express your masculinity and your bravery through saving and protecting in birth. It's been modeled for you to lead with your fear on behalf of her safety and to let your doubt be an expression of love. And that's understandable because no one has shown you a better way until now. Mm -hmm. So partners... Your transformation potential is learning how to show up without having to save, to gather unbiased information before trusting your fear. It's to listen to your loved one before inserting your opinions, to watch your loved one break down without having to fix it. This is your opportunity to actually express strength through your spiritual presence and your emotional availability. And that is a transformation, Mm. not just of yourself, but of the potential of your relationship. Because I have seen partners fulfill that capacity and it is magnificent to behold. It is powerful. It is powerful. It's like palpable in the air when a partner Mm. gets that on the core level and he is there as a space holder not as the knight in shining armor 
to step in and save her. Um, there's a really fascinating novel out there. It's a fantasy called Damsel. Have you by chance heard of it? No, I've not. I don't read much fantasy, but I was in a book club that recommended it. And so I'm always interested in kind of broadening my horizons and reading new genres. And uh, and this definitely was that. Uh, it's by Elena K. Arnold. Total uh, spoiler alert here, because I'm just going to tell you the premise. <laughs> but it starts off with a knight who is on a quest to slay the dragon. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and he gets there, and and again, this is all the opening scene. And as far as we know, he succeeds, and he vanquishes the dragon. And on the other side of the wall, he finds the damsel in distress. And he's able to save her and bring her back home to his kingdom because in his kingdom, there was like a very ancient tradition that you could not become the next king if you did not slay a dragon on behalf of a princess. And so he had fulfilled his quest and he brought the princess home with him. And um, there's obviously a whole series of events that take place, but by the end of the novel, some interesting things start to reveal themselves that the princess is not exactly who you think she is. And um, there's this other part of the custom that says you have to marry that princess within, I think it's like... 30 days, maybe it's a couple months. I honestly haven't read this in years, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of butchering it. But but if he doesn't marry the princess in that time, something happens to the princess. And it turns out that she is the dragon. And if he doesn't marry her within that time, then she will revert back to her wild um, dragon state. Ooh. And it was a very fascinating premise that took the traditional fairy tale motif and just spin it on it spun it spin it uh, spun spun on its head head is what I was trying to say and um it was pretty powerful um to see the dynamics of like gender roles and how the author really played with the idea of what it means to slay the dragon um and and it was like a form of taming Um, where this dragon went from being this free, wild creature that was powerful and could fly to being slayed by her partner into this, like, complacent role of obedience. And this is, like, your destiny is to be my support person. And so in some ways it was maybe a little more feminist than I would say I am because I I think I just know too many amazing men (laughs) in Mm -hmm. my life that – but I like when you can tell, use a story to teach a principle. And, and so it always stuck with me because I thought, yeah, what if we've had this story wrong that instead of looking for the prince to come not only enslay the dragon on your behalf, but the other unhealthy side is to like slay you as the free thinking individual that you are and you know, pull you into this conformist role as their partner. But what is, what is that beautiful other story that we haven't been telling Mm -hmm. in our society? And, and that's what I think Katie and I are really hitting on is that there, there lies within the birthing experience, a very remarkable opportunity for you to change forever the dynamic that may exist within your partnership. And we see it as a perfect um, and ripe opportunity because if you can 
if you can master it in the birth space, it will transmute into like all the other areas of your life. Yes. I love that. I, I think there's, I don't know if you've ever experienced these moments, but I'm sure you have during birth. Sometimes there'll be a moment where the birthing person will reach out for something. They'll either reach out with like a look or, mm-hmm. or a hand. There's always this, these moments of reaching. Yeah. And as a doula, I always kind of skip there. There's a moment where I'll always look over at the partner to see if he is even aware of that reaching. Wow. Do you know what I mean? To almost like allow them the opportunity to be first response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes they're just off in their world or they're not really, or they look kind of uncomfortable. And it's hard because it's it's a small window of reaching, right? Like it's when you're feeling this vulnerability and you kind of want support and then maybe it'll be an outreached hand. Or just like kind of looking around with the eyes. And I'm, as a doula, it's an honor to meet those moments and to give that vulnerability a place to kind of latch onto. Yeah. But it always makes me a little sad that I am the one that, that has to hold that, that has to be that person, right? right? When you have this person who loves you and yeah. don't know how to see that vulnerability, don't know how to hold that space. Yeah. And I love when I can see partners who will just say, oh, you know, hold her hand. And just take it and just see like the clutching and they'll feel. And just like those little moments in birth that can let you know, like, I've got you. Yeah. And I know for me, like, those are extra powerful because I definitely did not have that um, with my partner through most of my births. I'm a very, very independent person. And that's our dynamic that kind of comes to light during births is that he kind of just lets me do my thing and I just kind of power through and do my thing. Cause we definitely don't have a damsel in distress problem over here. Uh-huh. Like I'm, that's fantastic. I'm like, don't touch me. I'm doing this. And, um, but for me, like that's kind of when I look back at my births and if I were to have another birth, which is not in the plans, but like to look at my relationship in the future that for myself is that's what I want to learn is how to actually show those vulnerability moments and to mm. beyond showing, even ask, right? That's my Absolutely. that's my overcoming is I'll feel it and I'll think because I think it's part of probably my trauma and the way I grew up is that I'm very hypersensitive to other people's needs. Yeah. And I can just like it's like a magnet for me if someone's having that kind of a moment. It's like, oh my gosh, someone's to vulnerable. you it's glaringly obvious. Yes. But now you're recognizing it's not to to everybody no. else in the room. Well yeah. a lot of times with my partner will tell him something like, I just need this. And he'll be like, well, why didn't you tell me before? And I'm like, <laughs> because it's hard for me not to want to expect of you what I can just naturally do. Yeah, um, you're having to learn how to communicate that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it feels, because it's kind of a pride thing, I think a little bit too, to have to admit, like, I need you. Yeah. I need you to do something for me. Because I always hated, like, that's the feminist in me, is that I went through a phase where I had a really hard time with people stuck in victimhood and, and the damsel in distress mentality and wanted to be as far away from that. Mm-hmm. as I could be, right? I'm a strong, independent woman, mm-hmm. and I'm never a damsel in distress. I don't <laughs> need anybody. Um, but you get to a point in your life where you kind of realize while there is, I feel very confident, and I have some things that I really do value, that there is softness in being the damsel. There is a place in to your life. To be a queen in the making. Yes, to be that queen in the making. Yeah. But, but to have the side where you're allowed to lean on someone yeah. and that you know will catch you, that you know will hold you. So kind of yeah. finding that paradox where we don't want to just destroy the way things are, but no. have it in this new light where like him, instead of saying the knight has to come and save everything and then carry her off like a bag of, um, like a treasure chest of one goods. Yeah. To say no, he comes in and... 
And maybe she doesn't even need him to save her. Maybe she also saves him and they have this journey together where they each lean on each other depending mm-hmm. on the phase of life mm-hmm. to have like this this equal partnership. So I think that for mm-hmm. me, I love this because I see it from the other side because I've never been that damsel, but I do definitely meet clients who are that mm-hmm. damsel to just remind people to find that beautiful place in the middle where you are your own hero, but you also know that you don't have to go it alone, that you're allowed to have people who can hold you when you're struggling, people who can be strong when you're feeling weak and have that beautiful give and take that should be what a relationship is, right? That's so powerful what you just said, Katie. And I I want to stress to those of you that may be listening that don't actually have a partner in your life and you don't anticipate having one in the birth experience, this is especially important for you to hear that your partner is not the one that's going to save you in this in this capacity. You can be your own hero and there are other people that you can invite into your space to fulfill that role if you would like to have that kind of support that Katie just described. And so it I, in my opinion it's truly empowering to all individuals that are giving birth because you recognize at the end of the day this is a solo journey, but you do not have to do it alone. It's a solo journey that you don't have to do alone. And so if you are lucky enough and fortunate enough to have an amazing partner at your side and and they will be raising the child and, and maybe biologically it is their child, fantastic. Celebrate that beautiful dynamic that you have. For those of you entering it without that companion, I know you can have a phenomenal birth experience because you are your own hero. You are the hero of your story. Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.